Uh, we've got about uh, six different scriptures. We're going to actually five that we're going to turn to. Uh, and so we just had baptism and we're going to have the Lord's Supper here at the end of the service. And so what I want to do is I want to talk briefly uh, about the difference between baptism and the Lord's Supper. Uh, believe it or not, I think these are two symbols that we were given uh, that get mixed up a lot of times. And that'll make more sense as we go on. But oftentimes uh, I hear people talk about baptism uh, symbolizing the washing away of sin. And actually, the Lord's Supper is about the washing away of sin, and baptism is about dying to sin. Baptism, because of the water element, we often think about washing, uh, but baptism and going down into the water is symbolic of death in the grave, putting sin to death and being raised to new life. And the Lord's Supper is a remembrance of Jesus' blood being poured out for us, and it's Jesus' blood that forgives us. And uh, it's your dying to sin and being raised to a new life to Christ uh, that allows that blood of Christ to be effective in your life. And so we're going to walk through a couple of scriptures uh, and then we're going to take the Lord's Supper together. And uh, we're going to do the Lord's Supper uh, a tad bit different. We're going to pass out the bread like normal. We'll take it together. And then after we pass out the cup. Uh, once everybody has it, we're going to stand and sing two verses of a song uh, that Linda is going to lead us in. And it'll all make good sense while we're doing it. Uh, but hopefully it'll make it uh, a little more meaningful as we share the Lord's Supper together. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll get started. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for uh, his death, burial and resurrection. Lord, we thank you for the two ordinances you gave us as a church to do. That's baptism and the Lord's Supper. And Father, I pray that uh, as we do both of those today, that we would be encouraged in our walk with you. Father, I thank you for those who have given their life to Christ and made that profession public through baptism. And Father, I thank you for the ordinance of the Lord's Supper that you give us uh, to do in remembrance of you. And so, Lord, I pray that today, again, if there's anyone here who doesn't know you, that today they would put their faith in you. And Father, I pray that you would be glorified in all that we do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we're in the book of Romans, chapter 6, and uh, the writer of the book of Romans is making a case that everyone stands condemned under the law. And so Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then he walks you through how an individual gets forgiven of their sin, and that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so what the author in Hebrews is saying is, he says, okay, listen, he says, the people who have sinned a lot, right, they're more grateful for the forgiveness because more grace is being given to their life than someone who is sending a little bit who's being forgiven, right? Everyone's condemned. Everybody needs salvation. But he's just making the case that he's saying, listen, those who have sinned a lot have a lot to be forgiven for. And oftentimes uh, they're more grateful. There's more grace being bestowed in their life. And so then it comes up with a natural question. The writer of the book of Romans says, should we continue in sin so that grace may increase? And so he's saying, well, do we keep sinning so that God's grace can be more evident in our life? And the, and the writer says, no way. Uh, don't ever do that. How shall, this is verse 2, may it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know, verse 3, that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Verse 4. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. So that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, 
certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. And so here, the writer of the book of Romans, Paul, lays out a case for what baptism actually means. And we've told you that an individual is saved from their sins based on faith in Jesus Christ and when they repent of their sins. And so this is what, this is what someone's life looks like. They're doing their own thing. They're, they're living their own life. And this is for a child or an adult. And you're just going through life doing whatever you want to do. And then you realize that you doing whatever you want to do is sin. And you realize that in order to be saved from your sin, you've got to put your faith in Jesus Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. And then we say that you repent, you turn from your sin, and you put your faith in Christ, and now you live a life that's glorifying and honoring him. And so at this point, when you're repenting of your sin, you're dying to your sin. You're putting the old man to death and you're putting your faith in Jesus Christ and now you're living a new life to glorify God the Father. You following me? And that's what baptism is. Baptism is symbolic of this dying to sin and turning around living a new life to Christ. That's why we fill the pool with water and just like you would lower somebody into a grave, you lower that person into the water symbolizing death to their old life death to their life of sin and being raised to a new life in Jesus Christ never to die again because Jesus rose from the dead and if your faith is in Jesus Christ and in his death, burial and resurrection, the grave holds no power over you as a believer in Jesus Christ because when you die, this this fleshly body dies, your soul will live on forever in heaven and that's what baptism is. It's death to the old man, raising to a new life and so now I want to flip over to another page Uh, Flip a couple books forward to the book of Colossians. This is Colossians chapter 2. So you leave Romans. You got 1st and 2nd Corinthians, uh, Philippians, or excuse me, Galatians, Philippians, and then you'll eventually get to uh, Colossians a book or two later. This is Colossians chapter 2, verse 12 says this. Having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. So he says again, you've been buried with Christ in baptism and now you've been raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And so just want to remind you, and this is, this is brief on purpose because we're going to get to the Lord's Supper today as well. Baptism is all about symbolizing what happened in your life when you repented of your sin. You died to your sin, you died to your old self, and now you're being raised to a new life in Christ. And the reason that we do it in a pool as opposed to sprinkling, as opposed to pouring, as opposed to oil on the forehead, a lot of other ways that uh, baptism is done in other churches is because we as Baptists, this is one of our distinctives, we believe that the symbology of being buried in the grave is so important that we we build a baptismal pool into our church or we go down to the river so that we can put someone all the way in the water symbolizing being in the grave and then being raised to a new life. And one of the reasons we do that is because of 
go back to the Gospel of Mark. This is Mark chapter 1. You're welcome to turn there, or you're welcome just to listen along. This is the Gospel of Mark chapter 1, verse 9. This is Jesus' baptism. It says, In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And so John the Baptist was baptizing in the Jordan River. And it says, Immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the Spirit like a dove descending upon him. And a voice came out of the heavens, You are my beloved Son, in you I am well pleased. And so I'm going to read 9 and 10 again. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Immediately coming up out of the water, that's when he saw the heavens open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And so the idea is that Jesus went to John who was in the Jordan River and John baptized him in the Jordan River. And another reason that we're going we're gonna to dunk someone fully in a pool is because this word that's translated baptized is also used in a couple different ways in normal literature that was written around this time. If an iron worker was working on a piece of iron, he puts it in the fire to heat it up, he's going to beat on it with a hammer, and then he baptizes it in water to cool it off. And so he's not sprinkling it with water, but if you've ever seen a blacksmith, he's going to dunk the item in the water in order to cool it off. There's a couple different ways um, that this word baptize is also used as immerse. And so that's why we as Baptists are going to put someone all the way underwater. It's because it's symbolizing going into the ground, dying, and then being raised to a new life, just like Christ died on the cross, was put in the grave for three days, and then rose from the grave to have eternal life. And so that is baptism in a nutshell. That's the abbreviated version. And so now let's talk about the Lord's Supper. You've got this, uh, first we're going to, we're going to walk through this. You, you're doing your own thing. You, you repent of your sin over here and you get baptized. And then so why do you do the Lord's Supper? Remember what Jesus said in the Lord's Supper? He said, do this in remembrance of me. And so when you come to this point in your life where you die to yourself and you live to Christ, we oftentimes need markers in our life to remind us of things. You ever been doing something, doing something, and you get complacent in whatever you're doing? And you get injured as a result or, 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 or whatever. You just, you, you get to doing something so long, so often, you, you forget why you're doing it in the first place. And God knows that this is going to happen in our spiritual lives. And so he gives us the Lord's Supper to do in remembrance of him, to remind us of some things. And so now I'm in the book of 1 John. This is 1 John chapter 1. 1 John is uh, tucked in there close to the book of Revelation at the end of your Bible. This is 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. The Apostle John's writing this to the church, and he says this. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So I want to stop here for a second. If we say we have fellowship with him, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so this is an age-old question that uh, what about how do you know that an individual is saved? How do you know that an individual has been forgiven of their sin? And oftentimes people will point to their baptism as a reason that they're a believer in Jesus Christ. And so if your baptism is symbolic of you dying to sin, dying to the darkness of life, and being raised to a new life in Christ that's light, the scriptures say that if you, if you do that, and you still walk in darkness, then you lied about your walking in the light and you're turning to the light. You following me? 
And so that it's possible for an individual to go through the motion of baptism and it be a lie, even if they think it's genuine. And so what's the proof that somebody's faith in baptism is genuine? And the scripture says, if we say we have fellowship with him, that's God, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And so the, the proof of someone's salvation is that they're walking in the light as a result of the salvation that they say they took a hold of. Then he says in verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And listen to this. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. And so notice he doesn't say that the baptism or the water or anything else forgave you of your sin. But it's the blood of Jesus Christ that saves you and forgives you of all sin. And just to drive this point home a little bit more, flip a couple pages to the right to the book of Revelation. This is Revelation chapter 7. And we're going to start in verse 9. While you're flipping to Revelation chapter 7 verse 9, I want to remind you that Paul says that our salvation, our, our faith in God becoming a man, Jesus Christ, dying on the cross for our sins and then raising from the dead for us to have eternal life, that's our hope and that's our salvation and that's our joy for the, those who are being saved. Right? And so if your faith is in Jesus Christ and you believe all of those things that I just mentioned, you're in good company. I do too. But he says, that's our joy and strength and power and that all makes perfect sense to us. But he says, to the people who are perishing, to the people who don't believe that, the fact that you believe it seems absurd to them and they don't understand it. And so I tell you this because what I'm about to share with you doesn't make any sense, but it's a fact. And here it is in Revelation chapter 7 verse 9. So John has this vision of heaven, and he says in chapter 7, verse 9, After these things I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could count, from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, Blessed, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. And so you can imagine that this is an incredible vision that he has. And then he says in verse 13, Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, These who are clothed in white robes, who are they? And where have they come from? And John says, I said to him, my Lord, you know. And he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. And brothers and sisters, there is no way for our wretched, sinful, dirty lives to become clean outside of the blood of Jesus Christ. One day... One day you will wear a white robe in heaven if your faith is in Jesus Christ and it will be made white by the blood of Jesus Christ. And earthly speaking, that makes absolutely no sense. But heavenly speaking, it makes perfect sense because you haven't been redeemed by something like water. You haven't been redeemed and made clean by something like Clorox, but you have been redeemed by the precious blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that is the only way that any man has ever stood before God in good standing. 
if it was baptism that saved individuals, we would lock the doors and we would force all of you under the water in order to save you. But an individual is only saved when they realize that the life they're leading is not pleasing to God. And they get to a point where they die to themselves and they say, Jesus, you are Lord and I'm going to live my life your way now. And that is what baptism is all about. Dying to the old man, being raised to a new life in Christ. And then, once we do that, we're a part of God's family. And Jesus says that we're to do the Lord's Supper in remembrance of Him. And so, we're going to take the bread. And that's symbolic of Jesus' body being broken. And when you break an individual's body, what happens? They bleed. And then we're going to take the cup, symbolic of Jesus' blood. And that blood is symbolic of forgiving us of our sins. And so when we come to the Lord's table, anyone who's put their faith in Jesus Christ, I want to invite to partake of the Lord's table. We've got a lot of visitors, a lot of guests. You don't have to be a member of our church to partake of the Lord's Supper. Uh, If you've repented of your sin and put your faith in Jesus Christ to save you, we want to invite you to partake with us. And so I'm going to close up this section of the service in prayer, and then we're going to prepare the table. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. For your son Jesus Christ and we thank you for both of the ordinances that you've given us Lord we thank you for baptism that's symbolic of dying to sin and being raised to a new life in Christ Lord we also thank you for the Lord's Supper it's symbolic of your body being broken and our sins being forgiven Lord every day it seems that we get caught up in the ways of this world and we disappoint you in one way or the other But you call us to your table to remind us that you've died and you rose again to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And so, Father, we thank you for this ordinance that we have to remind us that you paid the ultimate price for our sin. And it's not our good deeds that get us to heaven. It's not how well our life looks or how put together our life is. But it is only through the shed blood of your son, Jesus Christ, that we have any hope. And so, Father, we're grateful for that. And lastly, I pray that if there's anyone here who's never put their faith in you, if there's anyone here who's still living their life the way they want to live it, Lord, I pray today that they would call out to you as Lord and Savior. I pray they'd put their faith in your death, burial, and resurrection. And Lord, I pray that they'd repent of their sins and you'd give them a new life. Lord, we ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. The scriptures say that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's pray together. Then we'll take the bread. Father, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you to his obedience to you. Lord, we thank you that you sent him to this earth to live the life that we should have lived. And then father, he died the death that we deserved not at all deserving it himself. And so, Father, we thank you for giving the life of your son so that we could have eternal life and forgiveness of sins. And so, Father, we never take for granted the great things you've done for us. We're eternally grateful. Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Take and eat. All right, now this is going to take some finagling. Somehow you're going to have to not spill your juice while we stand and sing this song. But I'm going to invite you to stand with us. We're going to sing song number, it's in your hymnal, 196. 
There is a fountain filled with blood. We're going to only sing the first and second verses. And then after we sing the first and second verse, uh, I'll read the scripture and we'll take the cup together. If you're waiting for the words to be on the screen, I'm afraid they're not going to be. That's why I said you're going to have to do some finagling to, uh, to look in your hymnal. Uh, but join us as we sing. Linda? standing we're going to close in a song that we sing after every lord's supper and if you're here and you've never put your faith in jesus christ to forgive you of your sins uh, and you'd like to die to your old self and live to a new life in christ after the song is over i'm going to stay here uh, right down in front as everybody leaves i'd love to share with you more about a new life in christ Thank you all, uh, friends and family members who came for the baptism and enjoyed the Lord's Supper with us. Thank you for coming. Uh, it was an honor to have you here. Uh, we hope if you don't have a place where you regularly worship that uh, we could have you back again. I want to remind you, fish fry tonight at 6, Bible studies at 445, and the office building before that. And I'm going to ask Brother Randy Walston, would you close us in prayer?